Black Hill Energy, heating homes across County Armagh. Fill up your tank for a rainy day with County Armagh's fastest growing fuel company. For latest prices, visit our website at www.blackhillenergy.net or call us today on 02838 344 Black Hill Energy, Ansborough Industrial Park, Lurgan. Started off as just one van of my own. Soon got to see that there's openings in other parts of Ireland. At that stage, you know, there's no turning back. You're, you know, you either sink and lose everything or you dig deep and you drive forward and that's, that's what we did. <laughs> People said to me, you know, he's going to be divorced in six months. So look, 20 years later, we're still together and we work very well together. The only place we see Brexit affecting us that has affected us is staff. listening to Philippa and Paddy McShane who spoke to me at their factory McShane Packaging in Armagh. This is your Armagh Eye podcast host Elaine Ingram. Paddy and Philippa told me their story from starting out with a £3,500 loan from the credit union 25 years ago to now when their packaging business has expanded to a global market. They haven't shut down one day during Covid and the only way Brexit has affected them so far is a lack of workers as they rely um, traditionally on foreign nationals to fill positions. They've had plenty of ups and downs throughout the 25 years they've been in business and we'll hear all about the the good and the bad um, that's taken them to where they are now. So hello, um, I'm here with um, Philippa and Paddy McShane and I'm Elaine. So um, it's lovely to meet you. And first of all, I want to say huge congratulations. You've been um, in business for 25 years now and you've just had a huge milestone in your business, I believe, where you've, you're expanding or continuing to expand. And you're here in on Cathedral Road now. Uh, this is the second site we bought about two years ago. Um, so on our original site, Knockanore Road, we're at plans to build a new warehouse and office block. So we've moved our um, finished product over to the Cathedral Road temporarily for about nine months until the build takes place. Um, so this is where just we're currently housed. So um first of February two weeks ago, um we celebrated the twenty five years that day and also that day then the builders moved on site to start the new build. And that's amazing. I mean there are too many businesses that, that can claim to be um, you know, doing so well in the times that we're in, you know, the horrific year that most we've had, you know. Um it's a it's a brilliant thing and you've been going for twenty five years in the in pack, packaging business, but I think the secret to your success from what I've from what I gather anyway must be the way you you've been able to like diversify over the years and change with the times and you know, you you've never seemed to have got stuck in a rut, you know, where you're doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely were from where we started twenty five years ago and setting out in a van till ground and sell say there was the sundries and sprays and disinfectants say the mushroom industry it started off as just one van of my own going around selling to the customers and clients that already knew the north of Ireland soon got to see that there was openings in other parts of Ireland down south where, where there was a need requirement to expand the business from one van sale to two van sales to three van sales actually went to four van sales covering north and south of Ireland and probably around that time I'd say you were up on probably 900 to 1,000 mushroom farms. That soon changed then, that by the early mid-2000s, a lot of farms started to close and big farms getting bigger. So 
went then till the the packaging two thousand five made the decision then to start to manufacture a packaging and uh, that came from second hand machinery till uh, two thousand nine and two thousand fourteen we put in our first new machine and it's been it's been challenging but uh, we've been able to keep it at times and keep going. Do you actually come from a business background at all, or how did you how did you initially get started? Because I know that you yeah borrowed um was it three and a half thousand. Uh, from the credit union back in 1995 90, 96 yeah i mean that's that might not seem like a lot of money now but it was a hell of a lot of money back then and it was a huge risk to take did you where did you big, how did you start well, it was a big risk because because i say i say if Oliver was working in, in belfast. belfast at the time and we had just moved into our new first new house our first house we'd married a couple of years with a big mortgage at the time which was a lot to loss and then um to make the move, to make the decision, to go out on my own was a calculated calculated risk to the two. What had you been doing at that up to that point? I was a sales rep for a company doing the similar type of products. So I was selling sprays on a sundry. So I got I had a fair knowledge of the market, a fair knowledge of the customers and products. And uh, both myself and Philip had talked a lot about should we should we should we not take this risk and try us here. And both was agreed that Philip was was working in a job in Belfast, and it was then decided that her wage and that would cover. Cover the mortgage, cover the expenses, and give me that bit of time to do that bit of scope. Yeah. And then uh, it just moved the, the system materialized a lot since that, and it's, we've made a lot of changes and we've through a lot of tough times, a lot of tough times, as Philip for well knows. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, as I said, Paddy started in '96, and again, you know, as far from as very humble beginning, three and a half thousand pounds from the credit union. It was a loan back then, a unit from the Gannon Enterprise Centre. And as Paddy said, he started out just himself, and it has just progressed from then. Um, two thousand and five, we started to manufacture um packaging ourselves, so we did. Um, and at that stage, there was very much um aggressive competitor pricing. Um, two thousand and nine, you know, basically at that stage, we were weeks away from the business closing, from losing everything. We were that far into the bank with loans, overdrafts. How does that feel when you're in a situation like that? Very, very scary. And at that stage, you know, there's no turning back. You you know, you either sink and lose everything or you dig deep and you drive forward. And that's what we did. Yeah, I think actually around that time was that the banks were, during during the recession, the banks were calling in overdrafts, calling in loans, putting the squeeze in everybody. While during the good years, the banks were throwing money at yeah, so was this was this when the recession yeah, happened? Yeah, the recession hit in two thousand and nine. So it was about or two thousand and seven. So yeah. about two thousand and nine, you know, you talk about defy defining moments in a business. One of them for us was a check for thirteen pounds being returned back. Oh, you know, the nice. bank could not even stand over a check for thirteen pounds for us. And you know, we have no shame sitting here telling anybody that there. We call that a very defining moment in our business, and it's what's made us, you know, to the people that we are today and the business that we have today. Um, two thousand, sorry, two thousand and nine. Um, you know, at one stage we were making our packaging from a material called polystyrene, and the supermarkets were changing at that stage. They wanted polypropylene material. Was this when all the new regulations came in about packaging? No, no. Basically, what happened then, which was we were doing a lot of the pre-pack. We were doing basically a biggest, a different type of tray in polystyrene. The small trays we were doing was in polystyrene as well. Few of our big customers who were had on then were saying, "Polly, listen, polystyrene supermarkets don't want polystyrene anymore. They want the polypropylene, which is another type of product, another type of is material. Is that another recyclable material? All, re- all recyclable, but the, the recyclable 
issue wasn't a, a topic back then. Right. That's when he came on the same three foot. It was just the go with the times from polystyrene to polypropylene. And we had a year and then look at, right, can we do polypropylene? Did you have to get a whole lot of different machinery to do that then? No, it wasn't. Well, yeah, well again, that was one big yeah. challenging aspect then too. Yeah, again, look, we talked about the, you know, the original loan from the Credit Union for 3500 You know, for us to change from polystyrene to polypropylene, we had the expertise in-house um, and they said, look, you need a preheater. And we said, right, how much does that cost? So um, the cost of that, we sourced a second-hand one that was €9,000. We had to go back to the Credit Please, Union yeah. and ask for another loan from the Credit Union. Because I think it was all the time that they say the bank won't and give money. At that stage, you'd paid back your original loan. Yeah. The bank were calling money in. They yeah, were putting the us under pressure, so we couldn't go to the bank. Right. So Philip said, let's go to the Credit Union again. Yeah. So we got that piece of machinery, so we did, um, and installed it into the factory. And again, the, the poly, uh, polypropylene material just took off. Our business turned at 2009. We were When we were to the absolute wall, the business turned, and it just took off then. So, so you were sort of ahead of the curve. I know you got the pressure. The no. pressure came on from the supermarkets and stuff like that, but you, yeah. were there a lot of other businesses that were our doing it? Our compa- um, one of our main competitors wasn't at that stage. Um probably hadn't got the expertise in-house to change over to the different type of material and we might have got about five years yeah. lead well, the two which is probably huge in yes yeah. well, yeah. two other big competitors they were already in that game so we had to go with them to be in the market because that, that was about 80 percent of the product was being used in the market wasn't polypropylene so we had to be in the game with them so we got into that game in the polypropylene at that time which gave us five or six good years steady years uh, of building our customer base and actually been getting our, our professionalism in that product going. Yeah. Uh, so we were able to, to, to keep that side of it going. Yeah. And then um, you moved, you know, you've moved like out of out of Ireland you, into the UK and Europe and yeah. even South America. Yeah, last year we sent our first load out to South America um, and that's a completely new market for us. How does that even come about? I mean, how well, do you reach out to markets like that? That's what it came about. Uh, trade. Say, our trade shows that, that we were that we were ten visiting, and say we had been at a couple of trade shows in say Europe and meeting customers in South from all around the world. Basically, they were coming, and a couple of quite a few from South America. Again, they were having this issue. They were using polystyrene, and their customers were now starting to say they they have to change the polypropylene or something else. So since that, it took us, I think it took us about a year and a half to get our first load shipped out between getting samples out and talking and discussions and meetings and prices. And eventually, say, maybe it was about six months now, or maybe mm-hmm. eight, six, seven months we've sent our, first, sent our first load out to South America. And I said, two loads were out last week. We were doing about maybe the same client, about a load a month of them, so are. And it's a relatively good business. And how have you found now the Brexit rules coming in? Has that affected you in you know getting your shipments and getting your loads um, away? What about all this paperwork that everybody else is talking about? Um, Brexit hasn't had a big impact on it as, at this stage. Um, I know we're only sort of one month into it, one and a half months maybe into it. Um, we spent a lot of time sort of prepping and planning um, and checking our supply chain in terms of material coming in, raw material coming into us. Um, we also made a lot of contact with our haulage companies to see you know, what their plans were. You know, It was very much up in the air right up until the end of December. Nobody knew what was happening, whether it was going to be a deal, no deal. So no company knew what we had to plan because we didn't know what we were planning for. Yeah. But you know, thankfully, we can say six weeks down the line, you know, we haven't had a load delayed. 
in terms of material supplies coming into us or even you know finished product going out to our customers um and the date you know we've sent um orders down to customers in the south of ireland orders over to the uk um orders over oh, to yeah, you know customers in europe and you know thank goodness you know it's reached them in time maybe a day or two of a delay yeah. but nothing major at this point anyway because the product's not perishable so it's having really no effect the only place we see Brexit affecting us that has affected us is staff well that's what i was going to ask that's, you about that is yeah. the big one that's that's the big one we find staff is a big issue now would Brexit. you have a lot of um you know foreign nurses, foreign nas- nurses working for you about 90 percent of the factory staff workers would be foreign nurses and again so say for years we had no issue when the foreign nurses coming there's always a good influx of choice of staff coming they were coming uh through emails coming knocking doors looking at looking uh, applications but there's always plenty of staff about but from brexit what we're finding talking to the ones that's in the factory asking why or is it not new guys coming new staff coming they're saying that they're not coming to ireland uk anymore because of because of brexit because of the the paperwork whatever they have to go through and the legalization of them now coming that they're now going to other parts of europe so there's a lot less choice of staff there'd um, also be covid would affect that as well because people can't travel well, I will see COVID. Yes, well, that's do. But I'm talking this going on this last two or three years from okay. from Brexit nearly has kicked in. The talk 2016. Yeah. There's a lot less foreign nationals coming to Northern Ireland, Ireland to UK, because um, the fear of not being allowed to stay. They're saying they're going to other parts of Europe, Switzerland, Spain, Italy, with less hassle. So now, what we're finding there's we are getting it very hard to keep the factory running. The factory's been running 24 70 years for 10 years, 12 years. And they were finding it hard to keep that going because we haven't got enough staff. Gosh, that's incredible. And like it's, you think it's tough. It's it's affecting the business. It's affecting our business, and it's not affecting only our business. It's affecting a lot of business that I'm talking in, maybe in different in the food sector or in different food operation machine or different type of operations that uh, they're running that they're struggling for staff. Yeah, I mean. And Brexit has been the big effect on it. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed. Have you seen uh, on the, in the supermarket shelves? So there's been an awful lot of um, stuff Empty missing. Shelves. Empty shelves. Empty shelves, yeah. yeah. Well, that could be good. But I would what we say, where we find the talk about in Northern Ireland being the hub of Europe for free trade with Europe and free trade with UK, that might be the case. But if you haven't got the staff to fill them roles and them jobs, there's not much point being the hub of Europe Yeah. if you can't get staff to fill jobs. Is there any solution you can see to that? Or you're actively recruiting, obviously. Um, but well, is there any... Yeah, that, you know? we are actively recruiting, so we are... Um, through a number of means and um, just sort of social media sites and things like that there and um, we've actually increased our rates you know in terms of day rate and uh, night shift rate weekend shift rates in as well to try and enhance you know um, people coming forward so look we're gonna have to wait and see what happens there but it is very very difficult yeah because you think there's an awful lot of people out of work right now i mean people are yeah there's this imbalance so there is and this is what we can't understand you know people are saying you know and um, there's no work and you know we can't get jobs and yet no we're one of the companies that are manufacturing we're related to the food sector we're one of the essential businesses you know and we cannot get staff so there's this imbalance here so there is yeah um and you know i just we don't know what the answer is um we, we can just sort of try and keep the things going and as patty says you know we're down to maybe 24 5 um in terms of shifts if we could be operating 24 7 with the orders that we have but we just haven't got the staff at this point in time 
And do you find, have you found now that your order, um, the companies that you work with have increased to you're getting more and more business, obviously, because you're expanding and you've, you've pushed an, an awful lot of money into the, into the new business now, yeah, into we, your expansion. We have found even from COVID kicked in last March, you know, our business went the opposite way. A lot of businesses closed, you know, temporarily um, closed for good. Our business actually went the other way. Um, and last March was one of our biggest year, our biggest month, sorry, in terms of sales since we started our business. Um, and in terms of trying to keep the staffing levels going, we took in about 15 students at that stage. You know, we were glad of the students and the students were glad of us um, to try and sort of keep the operations going to meet the demand. Um, so sales have, you know, kept at a very steady level even from March. So have the sales gone up because you've got more customers or because well, I don't, see, people it'll, are buying more? No, it'll work out both ways. Okay, we have increased orders. We've got a few new, we did get a few new clients come on, a few new customers. But uh, because of COVID kicking in, uh, the restaurant, unfortunately, that service sector, uh, the restaurant sector, hotels, all had a shut. So people then were having to home cook. So more. there's more So the bigger demand produce, in the supermarkets. The supermarkets yeah. had... Uh, ourselves as we started doing a, a steak night on a, a Saturday night so right. we were staying in cooking more and eating more and uh, again with a lot of families doing the same so there's a, a bigger demand on the food packaging would it still not be the same though all the packaging would not have originally gone to the restaurants now obviously, it's going to the supermarkets obviously they wouldn't go in the, 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 uh, different types of packaging yeah different mm. types of trays and different types of crates and, and I suppose it would be in bulk so they wouldn't have as much bulk yeah, bulk yeah. Crates, where the pre-packs the demand for the pre-packs came on so that's where we sort of seen the big uplift coming on and our customers were saying the same the customers we were supplying to they were seeing the uplift in their demand coming for the packaging mm-hmm. the food trays we've also then seen additional customers come on board then the yeah, past well. 12 months as well so it's been sort of the double-edged sword for us so okay. plus the covid you know has had a very positive impact on our business so it has yeah in terms of um now covid in the business itself i believe you haven't had any cases in your um in your factory which is which is really fantastic thing yeah how hard was it to implement all the you know safety yeah. measures that you had to put in yeah whenever covid hit last march i personally thought you know two three weeks and it doesn't all feel over. like a year sure it doesn't it's absolutely mad. not if somebody had said to me it's going to be a year later you know i would have laughed at them yeah but you know we had to implement a number of procedures you know in terms of our staff you know temperature checks coming in on site temperature checks during the day um, regulations if you know there was any sickness what staff members had to do we have sort of staggered sanitizing stations, sanitizing stations additional cleaners brought in as well and um, we start and st- stagger the start finish times as well for staff so we have so we've implemented a number of things even at senior level and um, rather than have meetings in room again you're back into the zoom everybody sort of sitting in their own offices now Zooming, yeah, and people probably working from home if they can. Yeah, well, no, none no, of our staff just, no, worked at home. No, um, because it wasn't possible again within the factory. You know, you had to operate the machine, you had to operate the forklift, yeah. had to operate the lorries. So nobody has worked from home. But I so, suppose they're not in close proximity, are they? No, we've all them spaced out, so the two meter social distances is all in place as well. So you know, from COVID kicked in, we have never closed one day, yeah. and we've had we've touched wood. We haven't had one case of COVID in the factory. Um, so like they all have their own workstations, so they're all well spread it apart, and shifts each shift is changing over. Have to sanitize the, the ones coming off, sanitize their station when they come off. The ones coming on, sanitize that same station again. So it's like a double station of uh, a double sanitizing station that they're doing. To, yeah. For the well, actually, 
It's amazing how quickly we've all adjusted, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, I say it still continues this day where actually where I stick now is with war back then and that the, some of the students especially maybe were a bit more difficult to work with with wearing the masks but they've adopted it now and there's, there's ones in the, with quality ones on the floor and they're keeping an eye on them making sure they're uh, keeping their masks on at all times yeah. it's nearly become the norm now so I yeah. know it has say. it's like if you see something on television or you see somebody like hugging somebody you're kind of going oh don't uh, do that yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. If, you, if you see somebody without a mask on you know yeah. that's strange there yeah. So yeah. Uh, no, thankfully it's been challenging, but it's, uh, our biggest challenge now today, and it's been quite a while is that get yeah. that. And, and you're gonna the students um, are all online at the moment, you know. But I mean, yeah. if they're yeah. gonna, if they're, they, you still have students on board. Yeah, so. we still have we still have students working with us. Um, not as many. You it? know, we try and work round um their needs or their sort of timetable. Yeah. You know, if they can do a six-hour shift, yeah, well that's fine. You know, what's somebody on a sh- on a machine for six hours then? Yeah. Um, but we know, look, it's not the long-term answer for us. Yeah, because they're going to be, at some point, they're going to be heading back exactly. to uni. Yeah. 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 Uh, the students, who, so we operate uh, two 12-hour shifts, so they do 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So the, the way we've done it with the students, to not overwork them instead of not have them stress, they do six hours. One one batch would do a six or 7 a.m. in the morning, they would say 1 p.m. And all shift within then at one to, 1 to 7. So we worked with them around doing an 8, 9, 10-hour shift, 12-hour shift. They were just doing six-hour shifts. And now with them coming back at the start, in March the lockdown, I think everything shut down. They're working four days a week or five days a week. But now they're working two days or three days, whichever, or maybe one day or something because they've had much schoolwork to do too. So yeah. let them get the schoolwork done and give them that bit of a release, a bit of a break. They have, they can get a few They'll have all this to. money and they live nowhere to spend it now. That's the thing. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Find someone. But I say that is our biggest hurdle that we're facing. I say we have, we have good clients, we have good customers, we have plant machine we have the space with the warehouse with the building going on the new building going on the warehouse put up and the uh, staff is yeah. our biggest hurdle every day we're talking about how do we get more staff but i said only this week we implemented the new uh shift the lounge night shift the lounge weekend shift the lounge something that we've never had had to do yeah because we always had a good choice of workers but now there's a lot less workers about that there's a smaller pool for everybody to work from so i think everybody is like ourselves as in the employing staff are running factories running processing plants having to come up with new ideas to attract staff and yeah. we're all pulling from the same pool that's the sad part about it yeah it's a it's a big challenge all big right challenge, yeah big and it, but other challenges that you've had now over the years um when all the new um rules came in about packaging and everything like that were you because you're already all your stuff was recyclable um did you find that that brought you more more business or no we had it sort of what we had to go to do, the, we, we, we had to defend the recyclability of what we were doing, of our plastic, our threads. Our threads are, are made from PP as a material called uh, polypropylene. Yeah. Our polypropylene, polypropylene itself is 100% recyclable. Yeah. And it's not that the thread, the plastic was being given a bad name because the thread wasn't being recycled. They've been found washed up in pictures, they found washed up and through the side of the roads and dumped and ditched and it's not the so the plastic one is the, the issue is not the plastic not being recyclable it's that people won't recycle it enough yeah i say like we have maybe five six seven recyclable bins in the house every week they separate them and they're segregated, they're segregated in the different types of plastic and like they're emptied do you think people maybe don't know what types of plastic is because it is quite confusing on the blue bins you know you know yeah. you, some some plastic bags aren't recyclable in the blue bins yeah. but um some packaging is and some packaging isn't well, Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it is confusing for the you know ordinary public um people, 
um, like you know, in terms of the Kirbins and Bryson House coming to pick it up, as you say, you, you know, you're putting certain items into certain bins, and maybe they're not, um, uh, they're leaving them sitting there so they are, um, and it sort of maybe frustrates people and they're saying, why bother like sort of recycling or trying to segregate when they're not even been collected and things like that there. But as you say, I think it's the sort of lack of awareness from the public as to what can be recycled and what can't be recycled. But the products that we make, you know, in terms of the, the polypropylene material, it's a hundred percent recyclable, so it is. Yeah. And you and you moved from originally it was um mushroom packaging and then you moved into poultry and, and how did how did that come about? Yeah. Um again, you know, you, you talk about defining moments in a business and it was back maybe in 2015, 16. One of our bigger customers dropped us overnight. And at that stage, we sat back and we said, look, we are all our eggs in one basket here. Oh, you dear. know, we are very much geared towards maybe the mushroom industry. And we need to, you know, broaden. Mm. We, we need to expand out of this here. So at that stage, you know, we had the discussion and I said, look, we need to tool up here. We need to go after the same new market, the likes of a poultry, the poultry market. Um, and we did. We, we made the decision. We took the risk at that stage. Um, well that's what it seems to be all about is risks yeah, yeah. In, ter- in terms of, of going after the new market the poultry market like we had invested maybe £100,000 in uh, new tooling um, and our first customer we went to was in County Calvin on a farm um, and they were sourcing sort of new suppliers at that stage so it you know it worked well for us um, and we sort of made a pitch to them we explained our products we showed them our products um, what sort of service we can deliver and you know they took the chance on us, so they did, and that was maybe near four years ago, and they're still with us. Um, we work very well with them in terms of new um, innovations, things that they want to try out, maybe trays that they have that maybe isn't working for them in terms of the product sitting in it. Yeah. You know, and we would work with our tool maker um, in terms of research and development and you know, redefi- re- redesigning the actual mould redesigning the actual tray for them and would you be involved in in all that part of stuff as well yeah yeah we have our own tool maker so we yeah. have in terms of our tools and um, if there's any like we sit on a regular basis so we do and look at our products and see how can we modify them you know how can we make them different how can we make them better yeah and that's done on a regular basis so it is so you think that's the that's the, the secret to the success is yeah as you know being able to change and yeah in terms of our new unique selling points you know people have asked us that alan madigan that wrote the, the piece for us a couple of weeks ago asked us what makes us different from our competitors Um, i would say first and foremost probably is the service that we provide to our customers and um, we can turn things around very quickly in terms of our production schedules and um, you know when a customer rings us in a panic maybe some of the staff have forgot something or forgot to order something you know, we can have a pallet, like two pallets of a product up to them within an hour or two hours. You know, so we have a very quick turnaround um, process, so we do. Um, yeah, I think when you're dealing, especially, say, like in the mushroom industry, which was in our early years, you're dealing with, say, a lot of people coming from a farming background, whereas the, the bigger business, as in the amount of farms or, or big customers, they're more organised and they're more say, structured towards how, how, how they order. But with the farming industry, the farming background for mushrooms, the guys, they weren't that well organized. So they yeah. were getting caught out a lot of times in, in stock. So we were having to learn to adapt very quick. And we've just kept that process going that, again, I said, it doesn't, it doesn't happen that often. Is, but if we have to adapt to certain clients, we will do that for them. Yeah, I and suppose. They, and they admire that because, again, they get caught short. So we have to step in and 
Yeah, because you know what it's like to start from the ground up. And yeah, you've been working with a lot of these businesses, or, you know, your customers yeah. over the years. And you've, you've kind of learned as you've gone along as well. So yeah. like, even through the last 12 months, you know, COVID related, you know, we haven't let one customer down yet. So we haven't, which is, you know. But that's a huge, that's a brilliant thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then the same with Braxton coming up, I had a lot of customers during the, coming up here at the time Braxton was supposed to happen. Now they were concerned and worried about what was going to happen. What were we going to be able to get packaging? Then was all this going to, was, how, was, how was the chain going to be affected? The, or sort of chain to them? Yeah. But thankfully it hasn't, it, it hasn't been affected. And do you, th- you don't think it's going to get any worse or anything? I don't think so. No, I think it's going to, I think it'll improve. Yeah. Do you think it will I, I think sort it's itself out? It settles itself down again now and people get used to it and start to adapt to it. Mm. Again, so we have seen no effect really since uh, we have the free trade with Europe, we have the free trade with the UK. So it's not really affecting us, maybe affecting, we're talking about transport uh, materials coming in. Yeah. Again, we haven't seen that, so we haven't really affecting us. So I say the only thing affecting us is that. Yeah. And what's it like... Um, you know, working together <laughs> as a, a, a married couple. Challenging. The business is challenging in this game. Is challenging. No, it work, I said it works no, well. I, we have this, yeah. I think it works very well. So it does cause, uh, I worked in Belfast uh, up until 2001. I worked in Belfast for seven years. Paddy had started his business then um, in 95. Um, so I had the second or second daughter at that stage. And when you're traveling up and down Belfast, it's three hours traveling time onto your working day. And once the second baby came along, I said, no, that's it. Um, so my background would be from business studies, you know, from university. So you're, the, you're, you're, that's, yeah. Yeah, so that's my, <laughs> that's my background. So I knew you were going to say something there. <laughs> no, I was going to say nothing. <laughs> Behind every great man. That's, <laughs> it, that's, that's the way to put it. So I came into the business saying, left Belfast, I came into the business in about 2001 with Paddy. You know, and when I left Belfast, people and turned it around. Yeah, people said to me, you know, he's gonna be divorced in six months. So look, twenty years later, we're still together. I have my areas of responsibility. Yeah. Paddy has his, and we work very well together. There are times now our areas will cross over. Clash. You know, and mm. we'll have that disagreement and things together. And don't get me wrong, you know, there's times, you know. I've told Paddy to basically stuff the business up his ass and walk out kind of thing. <laughs> Slam doors, so have, that's right. <laughs> but look, we've talked it out and we've yeah. got around our differences and we're still working together. You know, and I think we do work very well. We, you know, uh, Paddy's very sales orientated and I have said to people, Paddy could sell snow, snow to the Eskimos. I could not sell water in the desert. Yeah. You know, and my sort of strong point would be policies, procedures, quality. So you, you know, just the financial side. Yeah. 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 It has, so, it has worked well again. Yeah. I said. Our strengths have sort of coordinated very, very well and yeah. dovetailed in very well. Well, are you able to take it now at five o'clock in the evening? Can you go home? Can you switch off? And can you not talk about work? Or is, is it just a 24 7 thing? Never know. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that's very difficult. Alan. I would find it hard to switch off potty more so he can switch off and you know pick it up the next morning. There's things that have happened in the business maybe in an afternoon that potty's heard about and he will not mention it to me until the next morning. If it happens on a Friday afternoon, he'll not mention it to me until Monday morning because I would probably go on all night or all weekend yeah. about it. So it's difficult, maybe more so for me, not so much for Paul. So it's so not even your skill sets, then it's your personalities work seem yeah. to work well together that you're able to. Um, yeah. Yeah. I say, they don't yeah. taking things home. Is I leave work at the door. I deal with when we're able to work the next day or on the, or the, uh, the Monday morning. Instead of a, always be things more. But yeah. I hear more. I said, there's no point. We have to deal with what's there. Like we'll deal with it. So we've learned. So, yeah, so, we've, so we've learned what 
where both I know how I operate and I know I say I say if it operates and it it works well. Yeah. It, it, it has worked well for us. And people probably think, you know, how did they spend all day together and all night together? That's you know? exactly what I was thinking. And, you know, <laughs> there's times in the day I don't see Potty and I'm ringing and saying, Potty, where are you? Because I need to go through things here with you. Yeah. So, look, we're not in each other's pockets by no means. Um, it says, I, say, I think my things to do, Potty's his things to do. You know, we do yeah. meet up at certain times in the day and things like that to sort of make sure we're, we know where each other's coming from and we're sort of heading in the same direction. Um, but no, definitely not stuck. You know, we're not spending the same time in the same office yeah. every day. So we actually enjoy when we go home in the evening. What we do every day, we do the basically from set lockdown. We go out for a walk every night, and, yeah. so, and that's nearly a chance to come together and talk. Yeah. Just we talk even about work or something different. But because we're not, we aren't living in each other's pocket as work during during the day. I might spend most of the time out at the factory. The bill going on and that with the factory, the production going on and spend so much time out there now from the bill to start it that uh, look forward to really getting home yeah. in the evening and go for a chat and go for a walk I suppose you, you're you're ahead of the game with a lot of other couples are probably um, you know working from home for the past year and all of a sudden they're they're you know stuck in the same house it would be difficult together so that's probably more difficult you're well, well used to this and I this think is, working from yeah. home uh, for once he's been used to out working all their days all their lives their, their careers really from out working in the business it's difficult to work for home now, and especially now you have homeschooled kids as well. If you're your homeschool- kids are your kids are older, are they? Lo- yeah. oh, what age are they? Yeah, 21, 19 and sixteen. So oh, so you still have you still have the exams going on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the sixteen-year-old he's doing his GCSEs. That's nine- tough now. The, yeah, the nineteen-year-old yeah. she's in first year at university. So yeah, they're at home now, so they are. They probably find it an awful lot harder than us. Because we come out of the house every morning, we go to a different environment, go out to work. Yeah. Whereas they are stuck in the house, so they are yeah. you know, trying to do their class online. Oh, it's very, it's very it's hard. hard. I know. I have my my kids are the same. You know, trying to work to university from from home. Yeah. I feel so much of them, especially you say, if look at Megan. It's her first year in university. She's in Queens doing actuary. It's my my son is first year. First year, as well. and it's so hard because they have, they have, listen. Last year when they're doing their A levels, they didn't get to finish their A levels exactly. properly. They didn't get their nights out. They didn't get. Their former Indian, all these things, and then Queens, they didn't get their their freshers right, uh, and they didn't get they haven't met any new friends because they're still in the house bubble with their friends, the, the ones they were living with, and it's been difficult. I, I think I, this I whole thing is going to affect that age group I more think than so. anything. Their sixteen-year-old fellow Connor doing GCSEs, difficult for him too, but he seems to be coping better for we with the kids after classes all going online now. But I feel for students; students are really, really struggling and yeah. really suffering. And, Long term effect. Not being able to see their friends. It's all right for us, you know. We, you know. And and how do you sort of give off an action by spending too much time on Xbox at night or if they're Megan's going places because they have that they they need that social interaction too. I think there's. I I never thought I'd be saying, but I was so glad of Xbox uh, Xbox because they can communicate with their friends. Right. At eleven o'clock at night. At eleven o'clock at night, we can hear Connor up in the room cracking and shouting the boys and having a crack. He needs that. Yeah, they need I that know. interaction. And any odd parents would be talking. And cursing about. at Call of Duty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any odd parents you're talking to in any age group of the friends that they're glad the same that that's what they're doing. They have this this interaction. So late or Xbox has been a savior. Yeah. I never thought I'd say that. Yeah, I know. I never. Yeah, I never thought <laughs> I'd, I'd agree with you either. <laughs> and then say, and but Jordan, she's the oldest girl. She's uh, doing a first year accountancy. She's doing chartered accountancy. Work along with Sean Cabinet. So she's just come out of Queens, and. Uh, well settled, good now. She's her, she she has a routine like us. 
So she hasn't been affected at all. She's doing well. Mm-hmm. She goes out to work every day. She's out to so work every day. And uh, hasn't had to work from home. And again, uh, it hasn't been affected her. So she's doing it's the two other ones, the students, is the big. Yeah, I big agree. Concern, I think worry. so. And what would you say now to any business people starting out, any people that are starting out in the world and thinking of going and jumping off a cliff and doing something, you know, entrepreneurial? Um, would, what, yeah. what sort of advice would you give them? I know it's different well, times to, at the moment. I always say that you need to know your market. You have to know your market that you're going to go into Iran having this fantasy, fantasy, fantasy notion that because somebody else is doing something, you can go and do it too. That's so do your do your research. Do your research. Know, know your market. But you have to believe in yourself at yeah. all times, even through our tough times, as Philip talked about, when the banks are putting us under pressure and we're squeezing us and calling in overdrafts and calling in loans. We believed at all times that we would come through this here. You have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in your own ability. Yeah. And that if you can make it work and if you keep at it and and say, hey, rather the tough times, by keeping at it, you say you will come through it. And don't put all your eggs in the one basket. Don't put all your eggs in the one basket. <laughs> but look, I would say to anybody, yes, go for it. If you have drive in you at all, you know, and it's something that you've dreamt about, something you want to do, I would say definitely go for it. I know it's challenging times currently, you know, with COVID and everything else, Brexit. But look, if you have an idea, definitely go for it. But the other thing I would say as well is always make sure and have good people around you. And that's what we have tried to build our business up with good people around us as our accountant, our solicitor, you know, our HR people as well. If you have good people around you, you know, it makes your job an awful lot easier. So yeah. it does. Okay, well, it's been really nice talking to you, the two of you. Yeah. yeah. And I hope you, I wish you continued success and congratulations once again. On no, it's a big milestone for us, the 25 years. There's so a fella, there's a fella, uh, business owner on the 1st of February, uh, 96. And there's a guy doing the building out of the site for us doing, doing a bit of work and he was only telling me yesterday, I didn't think we have been talking to Philip about this, but he was saying the very client that I sold my first product to is coming to the site next week, he's driving a digger now. Right. So he's he's looking forward to seeing me to say that he was the guy, uh, Jerry McVeigh, that started me and helped put for me sale. in my feet, the very first sale. Right. And that's uh, 25 years ago. So it's just going to be interesting to meet him. These things are little milestones you get to meet somebody like, like that again. That you haven't seen in 20 years because yeah. he, he didn't last he, he closed up quite a few years ago but then people when you see them you're talking again you don't forget where you come from when you meet them boys again yeah and do you have many people here actually um that, that are that were here from the start our or longest, or la- our yeah. long, some of our longest service staff would be maybe 20 years yeah. of us yeah you know, 18 17 years round about that there yeah well started, that's long enough when yeah. you're starting trying yeah. to f- f- when you put on the first few volunteers, you'll start employing your first staff, say about two, a couple of years after you started out on your own. So they'll have maybe 98 or something. So if one of the guys here will be here shortly after that there, Martin yeah. Fields will be here to 20, Martin maybe 21 years here with me now. Very loyal member of staff. Yeah. It's getting, as Philip says, getting good staff, getting good people around you is a big thing, but we're trying to get, it's, they're rare, they're hard to get good people, but, but like they are there. And, and, and like every company does have them. Yeah. Well, I hope you get more, uh, manage to recruit more staff now and things things keep going strong for you. Yeah. Anybody anybody listen to this podcast and if they think they've anything Looking to for offer a job. our company or whatever, look, contact us. We'd yeah. be more than willing to talk to anybody. Great. All right. Thank Thanks you very well. much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that chat with um, Philip and Paddy. Um, I certainly did. Uh, it's always nice to have a good news story and to hear businesses doing well um, during these trying times. 
Thanks so much for listening and make sure you keep getting all of your news from Arma Eye and tune into our podcast next time. Black Hill Energy, heating homes across County Armagh. Fill up your tank for a rainy day with County Armagh's fastest growing fuel company. For latest prices, visit our website at www.blackhillenergy.net or call us today on 02838 344 223. Black Hill Energy, Ansborough Industrial Park, Lurgan.